Join me tonight in the book of Esther in chapter 8. Today I had the enjoyable pleasure of listening to a message that was preached in 1985 by Pastor Mahan. And it seemed just as alive then as or today as it did then. And he had some things to say that I'd like to share tonight because there's much going on in the world right now. And you know what? There's much been going on in our world all through the ages. Brother Mahan said, I'm not trying to find out who's the Antichrist. There are Antichrists and the spirit of Antichrist about. Anything but Christ is Antichrist. I'm not interested in the place of Russia, and I added these, China, Iran, or the United States in the days of the coming of the Lord. We don't measure anything by a country's status. We measure everything by when the last elect is saved. So we have great comfort in knowing that God is working things out. And we may say, I sure would love him to come back today. But you know, there may be, there is someone yet. And I was talking to Brother Bill this morning uh, about this. And he says, it may be in the Dalles. It may be down here where I live. It may be right here among us. But we're waiting for that to take place. He said, I'm not interested in the study of demons. There are demons, but I'm not interested in the study of them. I'm not interested in the big horn or the little horn mentioned in Daniel. I'm not interested in the study of angels, where they came from and where they, what's going to happen to them. He says, I am interested in Christ and I am trying to find him in every page of the Bible. And I said, Brother Henry, thank you. That's a good thing to be reminded of. So many things have drawn people off. And yet we find that the Lord is the center of the believer. It's the center of the church. He is the center of the church and we're looking for him. And that's our goal for tonight. So if you would look with me in the book of Esther tonight, chapter 8, I'd like to begin reading with verse 3. Esther, chapter 8. And we've read some of this, but I want to go back because I saw something else. <laughs> in Esther, chapter 8, verse 3, And Esther spake, yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Now it is very interesting that she did not mention to King Ahasuerus his part. <laughs> she only mentioned Haman's part. Now, in reality, Haman had kind of hoodwinked the king. And we can say he should have investigated it more. He should have did this more. We find out it is working out absolutely perfectly according to God's good pleasure. So she does not bring up an accusation against him. You should have done this different. He is, she only remembers this Haman, the Agagite. Verse 4, Then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther, 
So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it please the king. Now that's the title of our lesson tonight. If it please the king. Now when we look at that, it's, uh, it was a real way for her to approach her husband, but also the king of the realm. If it pleased the king. And we find out how wonderful, how gracious, how delightful from our standpoint to approach the king of kings and say, if it pleased the king. I pray my prayer pleases the king. I pray my witness pleases the king. All right, let's go on here. If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the things seem right before the king, and I be pleasing in the eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king Ahasuerus said to Esther, the queen, and to Mordecai, the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also to the Jews, for the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring, for the writing which is written in the king's name, and seal with the king's ring, may no man reverse. All right, we'd like to look at that thought that we found there in that verse of scripture, if it please the king. Now, when we get to the New Testament, we find that there are some individuals that shared that same sentiment. So if you would turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, we find out that grace cannot be demanded. It is given. Mercy cannot be demanded. It is given. Peace cannot be demanded. It is given. And so it is with all spiritual things, every spiritual blessing, everything that God has promised in his word is given. It is not demanded. It is given. He gives more grace, if you please. So here in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, we find a very interesting um, circumstance, a very interesting situation. And we find that this man, in the condition that he was in, is almost in the same condition that we read with regard to uh, Esther when she came before the king. Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper. Now, it, I, I don't know, has anyone here ever seen a leper? No. Now, I don't know what it's like, but I know this. From what we read in the Bible, it was probably the worst disease you could get. There is a lot said in the book of Leviticus about leprosy and what was to be done with it. And we also find out that during the times of Christ, it was required that if you were, you cried unclean, unclean, unclean. Now, uh, 
whatever they may have done to try to get rid of the problem, we find out there was no cure for it at that time. So we have a man that comes down here and he worshiped him saying, now there is something about this situation we have to understand. This man knew something about the Lord Jesus. Someone had said something to him because a stranger, how would you know that he has the ability of taking care of you if you haven't heard about it? Well, it says there, and behold, and worshiped him saying, Lord, if thou wilt, if you will, if it is in your mind to, if you have this thought, if, if you wilt, he said, thou canst make me clean. Now, when Queen Esther came before her king and her husband, she said, if it please the Lord. Well, really, that's the prayer of a saint to God. If it please the Lord, if it please the Lord, not me, but thine will be done. And so it goes on, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Now, he's the only one that could do that. And this man was led to the right place at the right time because the Lord was moving in him to be there at that appointed time. Now, he didn't realize it, I'm sure, but we find out the Lord was there at the right time. And this man has in his thoughts, if he will, he can make me clean. Now, it's not up to me. I cannot make a demand because I'm not whole. I cannot make a demand. You know, this is much the way we're saved. If thou wilt, we get to the point, Lord, have mercy. All right, keeping that in mind, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25? In Matthew chapter 25, we have another interesting event here that the Lord shares with us. It's purposeful that we have the scripture. You know, Brother Henry in his message, he just said, you know, in one verse over there in the book of, uh, or two verses in the book of Genesis. Adam knew his wife and she bore a son and then very quickly had another son and then they are 25, 30 years old. In two verses, 40 years pass, 30 years pass. And then we find here in times like this, there may be an entire chapter on an incident how, how special these incidents are when there's more than one or two verses about it. So here in the book of Matthew, we have a Syrophoenician woman, verse 22 of this book, chapter 15. And it says there in verse 22, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried in him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. Did I say that wrong? <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 15, excuse me. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 22. Now verse 23. But he answered her, not a word. Now that's interesting. There was not one word came out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus in that whole comment. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth, crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, that just undoes most modern religion. <laughs> I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and nobody else. Well, 
Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not meet for to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, what does she assume? By that very word, he is talking to her. Because she says in the next verse, and she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs from, that fall from their master's table. Now she is, I just hear uh, Esther in her words to that king, if it pleased the Lord. And I hear those words by this leper, if it pleased the Lord. And I hear those words from this Syrophoenician woman who has a daughter grievously ill, near unto death. If it please the Lord, I cannot get involved in this. I cannot let my emotions overrule if it please the Lord. So that's what we find throughout the scriptures. If it please the Lord, that's our cry and prayer. Now, turn with me back to a similar incident uh, that as Esther in the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, which is very close to the book of Esther, we read these words that Nehemiah says. He uses this term twice in two verses here, if it pleased the king, if it pleased the king. He knew that he was held in the hands of the king, and the king had the right to do what he pleased to do. Now, when God moves on a king to bless a people, there's nothing can happen but a people are blessed. If God moves on a false prophet to bless a people, he can do nothing but bless the people. We've witnessed that with Balaam. And here in the book of, of uh, Nehemiah, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Nehemiah, chapter 2, and verse 1. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes king, that wine was before him, and I took him the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before times sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Hmm. I know not how to pray as I ought. <laughs> but we're going to read that passage again over there in the book of Romans in a moment. But the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for us according to the will of God. I, I couldn't discern the will of God if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit doing that for me. My prayers can't reach God unless they're taken care of by the Holy Spirit. They, they, <laughs> they're words until the Holy Spirit. So I don't know. And this, this man, uh, Nehemiah, it appears that he's the king's cupbearer. And you know what that meant in his day. You sampled the wine first. If you didn't die, <laughs> you gave it to the king. All right. So here we find in verse 5, And I said unto the king, 
If it please the king, he just prayed and made it. So I prayed to the God of heaven, verse four. And I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, is that almost what we read from Esther in Esther chapter eight, when she is before the king, even though she is his wife? If, it, if I have found favor, you know what that means? Grace. We have no favor of our own. It has to be given to us. God has to grant favor to us. We have no favor of our own. We can't get it. All right. And I said unto the king, if it pleased the king, and if thy servant had found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the house of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, how, for how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and, set, and I set him a time. If it pleased the king, and it pleased the king. I like that kind of conversation. If, oh God, if it pleased thee, and then to find out it did because our prayer was made by the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on, Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over until I come unto Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertaineth to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God unto me. We just sit back and say, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Look what happened. He prayed unto the Lord, thy will be done. And God had already determined beforehand what should be done. And it is being carried out. It shall be, it should be our highest ambition to please the king in everything. That should be our highest ambition. I remember one preacher saying, we should wake up every morning and says, Lord, keep me from sinning. Now, knowing full well that we did it the next second, but we have an advocate with the Father. Join me, if you would, in the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, as we think about the will of God, if it pleased the king, if it pleased God, I prayed unto God, and he dealt with it according to his will. And here in the book of Romans, chapter 1 and verse 10, we read this. Making request, if by any means, Romans chapter 1, verse 10. Making request, if by any means, now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. The Apostle Paul is praying as he writes this letter, as he writes this letter to the Romans, he is praying that the Lord would be willing to have him go. Now, I don't know of any time that Paul actually got to Rome. A lot of people think he may have, but if he did, it was because of the will of God. All right. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse 27. Romans chapter 8 and verse 27. Would you join me there? This is that verse that has been such a blessing to me 
And I trust to you as we find out that the, the, it should be the easiest thing for us to do, pray. And yet we find out we know not how to pray as we ought. I just think of people trying to wish themselves into the kingdom of heaven, and we find out by the grace of God and through the new birth, we can't even pray as we ought. So we, we're not going to wish ourselves into the kingdom of heaven. It is God granting us blessings to be there. It is God working out his grace on our behalf. So here we read in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 27, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints. He makes intercession for the church. He is not limited by the number of people that are praying at the same time. I, I cannot, I'm just nearly at the point I cannot handle phone trees. They are obnoxious 99% of the time. I spent 45 minutes trying to talk to one person. Phone tree, and a lady comes on and says, oh, I'll send you over there, and she put me right back through the same phone tree. <laughs> so the next lady that came on, I says, please don't put me back through the phone tree, whatever you do. <laughs> well, here we have the Holy Spirit doesn't have a phone tree. We don't go... If you need help, hit one. If you don't need help, hit two. <laughs> if your brother needs help, hit three. Whatever. We, we have instant, direct access to the throne of grace because of being children of the Most High God. We are invited to Him. And then it tells us here, to because He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, those words, the will of, are in italics. But you go to almost every other translation, and they had to put the same thing there that said, according to the will of God. I'm thankful that we have things worked out according to the will of God because we would make a serious blunder. We would not know how to pray as we ought. All right? Because he maketh intercession for us. Now, the Apostle Paul uses this phrase, a number of times in the very beginning of the books that he wrote, uh, the letters he wrote. And the first one I'd like to go to is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we find out about God's will, as it's mentioned here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul is the subject of God's will in this verse of Scripture. Paul called. Being called is a subject of God's will. Being called as an apostle is the subject of God's will. Paul called to be an apostle, and not just an apostle, but an apostle of Jesus Christ. Big difference than being someone just sent somewhere, some board sending somebody. Here we find, as it should be, an apostle of Jesus Christ through now, who was involved in every step of this? Who was involved in every, every direction of Saul of Tarsus to the Apostle Paul? According, through the will of God, and also we're having Sosthenes, our brother, as part of this introduction. So it's the will of God. How prevalent, how prominent, how wonderful it was to hear Esther say, 
if it please the king. How good it is to have Nehemiah say, if it please the king. And how good it is for a leper. Now that leper represents every one of us. None of us are in this world without spiritual leprosy. Sin that overrules us and reigns in our heart before the Lord saves us. This leprosy is serious. And the only thing that we can do about it in our own flesh is to attempt to cover it up. And when we attempt to cover it up, we're making nothing better with God. Attempting to cover up our very nature. All right. As it says there, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. God's will was declared in calling Saul of Tarsus. God's will was in the uh, Saul of Tarsus when it came to the salvation of him, the training of him. He did not go and get counseling from humanity. He went into the backside of the desert and God spoke to him. How blessed it is. And so when we have someone come to us and say, you know, uh, I don't think I'm saved. Get alone with God. That's how the Lord was alone with a leper. There might have been 10,000 people around him, but there was only one person he was paying any attention to. And the same is true with a Syrophoenician woman. There might have been hundreds of people around, but he was only paying attention to one person. And when we get to Lazarus, he's paying attention to one person. You know, I've had people say he, he had to say Lazarus or he'd raised everybody. God is not like that. God is not like that. He, has, he knows who he is working with at the time. He's not driven by some semantics. All right, follow me if you would to the book of Galatians. As the Apostle Paul was led by the Holy Spirit to write, and we have this recorded for us in Galatians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In Galatians chapter 1, and verses 4 and 5, we have this according to the will of God. In verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Isn't that wonderful? He says the truth about this world, but the part that really delights the church is to what? He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What does it say? He has taken care of our sin debt. He has delivered us from this present evil world, and it is all according. Now, he doesn't leave anybody in the condition that they were when he found them. When he saves his people, they are in a different condition. They are born again. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, Esther, thank you for sharing your heart to us and saying, if it please the king, if it please the king. Now, she really had an interest in her people, but the whole thing was up <coughs> to the king. We have many interests, but the whole issue is up to the king. All right, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, we read these words. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. My goodness. Paul found out 
He had nothing to do with it. The only thing that he gave in the transaction was his sin. He had no merit. He was as bad as that leper when it came to trying to cover up his inability to approach God. He, went, he was circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of the Pharisee. Just look at the fine clothes he had on trying to hide his very heart. And here we have Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, if we're going to be an, a real apostle, it must be an apostle of Jesus Christ. God doesn't deal with any other apostles except he uses them for his glory and his honor and his praise as he did Balaam. To the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, he has not only sent this letter to Ephesus, which is no longer there, but he sent it to us, to the faithful. No, oh my, I liked that, that uh, article that was in the bulletin. You don't have faith? I don't have any faith. Of course you don't. It's God's faith. That song said, if I have little faith, if we have little faith, it's God's faith. And that faith is always directed to Almighty God. It's not our faith that's significant. It is God that is significant. And His will is significant. That is it. It's not us. It's Him that is significant. So God, thank you for a little faith. But I know where that little faith came from. And that little faith is in an all the Lord God Almighty. All right, Colossians chapter 1. Would you turn with me to Colossians chapter 1? In Colossians chapter 1, again, we have this introduction that Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he's not a false prophet. He is apostle of Jesus Christ. He wanted those people to know that he had authority from God to write what he was writing. And this is inspired. Now, Mike and I were talking on Sunday that Paul wrote some letters that were not inspired. He wrote a letter to Laodicea, not inspired. He did say, pass it around, though. It was a letter of love. It was a letter of, of gospel truth. It was a letter from his heart, but it was not inspired. Now, this letter was. That's why we have it. And it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, by the will of God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, may it please the Lord. May it please the Lord. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we read this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God. For this is the will of God. Lord, keep me in your will. And you know what? The promise is he will. It says, for this is the will of God for even of God, even your sanctification. Now that is a spiritual blessing. We find that our sanctification is Christ and it is not something that we can work up. It is not something that we contribute to. We find out that the only reason we were able to walk today without ending up in jail was that God 
kept his hand on us. He is the one that wrapped his love around us. And that's why we are not where we could have been. Well, he goes on to say here that there is another thing that he brings out. Verse 3, it says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And then he says that ye abstain from fornication. Now, if you look up this word fornication, the original meaning, the first meaning is what you know it is. That's what you know it is. Avoid that. Avoid that. But the second meaning of that in Thayer's Dictionary is that it is used metaphorically. It is used of worship, and it is used of worship of idols, Now, many times throughout the Old Testament, we find that the children of Israel were not committing physical fornication, but God said, you're committing whoredom and fornication against me. So what we find the Apostle Paul is led by the Holy Spirit here is if you have his sanctification, which means if he has saved you and he has given you the new birth, then that is going to prevent you from going after idols. It is guaranteed. We cannot. We cannot give up. Now, the people that give up are the ones who never had salvation to begin with. But those that God has really saved, they cannot commit this kind of dealing. We find that God has taken that away. He has removed idolatry from us. It is why we cannot. I cannot. I cannot listen to a message about all salvation is up to man and it's up to him to do it. Now, I sent Micah. I got this. It's a bookmark, but it's... uh, Salvation as as simple as A, B, C. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe on the Lord. And C, I can't even remember it now. It was, there is no God in it at all. Now that is idolatry. That is idolatry to the core. And you know what? God prevents us from going there prevents us from going there. Metaphorically, the worship of idols, the defilement of idolatry. And God said he'd prevent that. Now, over there in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, that glorious chapter has the E word in it. (laughs) Elect according God's election. He said, and he has turned us from worshiping dumb idols. The dumbest idol we find out is ourself and our own attitude toward free will. I told a young preacher the other day, he said, I asked him, do you believe in free will? And he says, I do. And he says, I told him, you are in company with 99% of the world. You go check every religion of the world and you'll find out they all believe it. I listened to Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, towards the end of his life, and he hoped that his works would outweigh his bad things and that his free will, it got him where he is. That's a Muslim. Sounded just like a landmark Baptist. That's idolatry. All right. If you could not go to a true gospel church, where would you go? Would it matter where you go? 
Only if you've been born again, it would. A lot of people, it doesn't matter where they go. I can go here, I can go there, I can go everywhere. I, I, I have Jesus. Well, if God has ever saved you, it does matter. You cannot go listen to swill. A born-again person will not settle for religious idolatry. It is impossible. I hear people say, I cannot go back. And that was the words of the Apostle Paul. I cannot go back. He never complimented circumcision. He never complimented keeping the law. He never complimented being a Pharisee. He never complimented being a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He never said this was all a good thing. In fact, he said, it is dung that I might win Christ. So, a born-again person will not settle for religious idolatry. David sinned. He did the other thing. But he did not go adopt the religion of the Philistines. He couldn't. So Esther said, may it please the king. Lord, may it please you. Free human will is held strongly by every religion in the world, and only one place can you truly hear that God's will is done even in the salvation of his people, and that's in the gospel church. And you know what? How small it gets, how big it gets, how where one, two, it still is where I must now, when I'm in a place that doesn't have a church, I have a few words to myself and read a scripture and go fishing rather than go get sick. All right, going back to that uh, book of Esther again, if you join me there. Esther chapter 8. Verse 5, and Esther said, If it please the king. We'll stop there for tonight.